0: All right, well, here we go. Can you all hear me fine? Okay, I do talk loud. I was told last week that my voice is the same tone as the blower in this room. (laughs) So another gal said, well, all right, so we can turn them off, and we can either freeze you or we can cook you. (laughs) But you will hear me, so please make sure and let me know if you can't hear me. I do think that I have a loud voice. I did not even realize the tone of my voice before then. Well, let's talk for a few minutes about this Romans study that we're going to do, and more importantly, the book of Romans that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote to the people in Rome, to them, and for us. It's an exciting book. It's a deep book. It's a book that I hope doesn't scare us. I hope it's a book that excites you as we get in it and we learn and we read together. Key word, together. No one here has it figured out. We are on the road together. And so we're going to talk in a few minutes about, I pray that this is just a really safe zone for you all that you feel comfortable enough to come and to share and to have questions and say, I read this this week, I have no idea what it said. We're in there with you. So as we pulled this study guide together this summer, Lisa Mika uh, and myself, there were some overall goals and objectives, and I want you to know that right from the very beginning. So, as a good teacher... Let's turn to the very back of the book. (laughs) Something I never encourage. Go to the appendix right at the back. Because this will line up with what the desires this year for our study is. So when we look at the appendix, you'll see that first page behind it says, Observe, interpret, and apply. We call that an inductive study. And basically what it means is we are staying in God's word. We are starting off and we are observing. That means what does the text say? And we're just going to be writing down some words. I'll walk through with you what that looks like. But we're not supposing anything. We're not reading between the lines. We're just saying, what does it say? Next, you'll move on in your homework every week and you'll say, interpret. What does this mean? And there are some challenging questions, but we can do it. And we can encourage one another. And we can dig deep. Finally, then is the time to start applying God's word. How do I respond to this? What is it saying to me? But that's after we have seen what the word says and we have interpreted it correctly. So, Number one objective for this study is read, 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 read God's word. Just stay in God's word. Number two objective for this study is to hear, and that's hearing from the Holy Spirit. I encourage you as I have myself, boy, before I open up God's word, I need to pray. I need to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and enlighten my heart and my mind to know what he is trying to show us about himself and what he is trying to teach us. So we want to see God's word. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Then we want to see. So would you turn the page And you're going to see a page that says metanarrative of scripture. All right, ladies, that's the newest buzzword in Christian circles, just so you know, metanarrative. It sounds really impressive. It just means, what's the big story of the Bible? All right, what's the Bible about? And right there, we have listed a definition. The narrative is the overarching story of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Although the Bible is made up of 66 different books, they collectively tell one story of creation, the fall, the redemption, and the final restoration of all things. That's it, one sentence. That's the big story. So our desire this year is as we are walking through the book of Romans and as we are looking at each passage, how does that fit into the big story? Is this a result of the fall? Oh, we're going to get to that pretty quickly in Romans 1. Hmm, lots of results of the fall. Creation. Is this what God intended? When we read a passage in Romans and we see terms like peace, reconciliation, oh, that was God's desire in creation. That's where it fits in into the big story. Redemption. You know that the book of Romans is all about Jesus' work on the cross, justification, redemption. Let's see how that plays in to the big story of sinful man needing to be redeemed. And finally, restoration. Oh, boy. We've been restored in relationship through Jesus' blood, but we're not restored yet until he returns and he makes everything new. So where does that our passage fit into that final piece of him returning and restoration. So I hope that we can see where the gospel fits into each passage. And then next act. So, turn the page. So, when we Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can turn the page. Um, Major themes in Scripture. Um, We did this, a little bit of this last year in the book of Acts. So each passage has a theme. What's the big idea? This page, the major themes in Scripture, is to help you with that question. What are we trying to walk away with? What's the big idea again? Now, like I said, I'm turning the page attributes of God. So we said we're going to read the word. We're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak. We're going to see the gospel, how it fits in. And now we are going to act. We are going to respond. That's the application piece. But when we understand who God is, his amazing attributes, his holiness, his power, his compassion, his love, when we see him, we automatically then respond. I'm afraid in Christian circles, sometimes we get that mixed up. We put our action, what I need to do first, and it becomes very man-centered theology. That's not the Bible. The Bible's about him. The Bible's not really about us. The Bible's about God. And when we see and understand God, then automatically we are called to respond to that. And that could be in our actions. That could be in our thinking. That could be in our relationship with other people. But when we understand who God is, we will react to that. And then finally, getting all the senses here going, we have taste. And our desire is that as you read through the book of Romans, you develop such a taste for God's word. His word is like honey to our tongues. It's sweet. It's wonderful. May you look forward to your time each week as you are in his word to be just a sweet, wonderful time. So that's kind of the purpose behind what we are doing. So let's talk for a few minutes about the process of how we are going to work through this study guide this year. Um, Number one, some homework suggestions. Oh, I can't take my teacher's hat off. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Homework suggestions. Pray. Pray, pray. Pray before. Pray during. And pray afterwards. Because this is not anything I believe that we can figure out ourselves. But by prayer, God will lead us. So pray, pray, pray. Number two, don't Procrastinate. Ooh, not a good idea on Monday nights to pick it up and say, okay, I'm going to do my study for tomorrow morning. Here's why. You know, we need to allow room for the Holy Spirit to work during the week, to meditate on it, to bring things into our lives that make it real. So we don't procrastinate. We do it early and we let the Lord work during that week. Okay, I love alliteration. So we pray, we don't procrastinate, and we proceed on. Okay, so let's go ahead, just turn for a second. Turn to, you'll see, we have our calendar in the first page. Every week you will see the passage. There's just a short passage, about 20 verses or so, that we will focus in that week. Then turn after Romans 1, 1 through 17. So here's the observation page. Observe. What does the passage say? This is what I'm saying. Proceed on. As you are sitting and working on your Bible study, you do not need to fill in every single question, all right? You're not being graded. Nobody's checking. You can put in one or two things and let that be really um, important or what you saw. Okay, This is not about more is better. So just keep moving on. If you get stuck, go on. So I'm looking at this first page. I don't myself personally see any commands in this very first passage. So I'm going to leave it blank, and I'm going to move on. Now, Leola G. is teaching next week, and she may correct me because there may be lots of commands that I missed. (laughs) But at this point, I'm, I'm going to move on then we're going to get to interpret in just a second. So that's what I mean. Proceed on. Just keep moving through it. Be prepared, the fourth P. Be prepared to share. What we believe is exciting and is going to happen at your discussion tables, you are going to be looking at this passage, and you might pick up on something that your neighbor next to you didn't pick up on. So as you go around, you're going to be throwing out these really quick replies and answers and responses because everyone may see something a little different. It's all correct. It's in the text. But this is not a Bible study where you're going to sit and say, oh, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. There's not. There's lots of right answers. So as we are sitting at our table, our prayer is that you are just all firing off different things that you've seen. And if your sister next to you has picked up on something, I would encourage you to say, wow, I never saw that, let me write that down. Isn't that encouragement to the person next to you to say, hey, you're right, I'm so glad that you shared that. So let's keep moving at our tables and giving answers. And then finally, the very last page, which we didn't look at in our study, has some suggested commentaries. These are just a few. These are not necessarily, this is not an exhaustive list. I reached out to some of our main group teachers and asked them, what commentaries do you use? And these are the ones they suggested. So after we are in God's Word and we've worked through the week, you are more than welcome to look at commentaries. You are more than welcome to look in your concordance and go to other passages in Scripture. We just want to stay in the text as long as we can and hear from God before we jump into additional teaching. So those are some homework suggestions, the process that you're going to be working through. So here I go with another P, sorry. So we looked at the purpose. We looked at the process of doing it. Now let's look at our Tuesday morning's participation. What I want for our tables to look like on Tuesday mornings. And I might be a little harsh here, but I'm going to say it, and I might not be the last time that you hear it. So I was trying to think of a good illustration about what participation at your tables really should look like. And guess what happened? I was pulling out of my driveway, and lo and behold, I forgot that schools had started. And the school bus stop is right there, right by my driveway. And I got a little nervous that I was going to be late. But I had to sit there, and I had to wait for all the kiddos as they got on the bus. And it was really fun watching these first couple days of school. So you've got the parents taking their little one to the school bus. Sometimes they have a little brother or sister in a stroller or on a bike, almost always in pajamas. (laughs) which is very sweet. You see that they probably had kind of a stressful morning. The little one has his new clothes on and his backpack and all eagerness, and they get to the bus stop and they see their neighbor friends and they're jumping around and and talking and eager to get to school and to get back into a routine. And so I was reminded and I thought, hmm, Tuesday morning Bible study is like getting on the school bus, I think. This morning, I saw us come and see our old friends. It's kind of nice not to be in my garden, in grubby clothes <laughs> on Tuesday mornings any, anymore. And so, as I thought about that, I thought of a few things. They were eager to get on the bus. It's a good bus. Tuesday mornings, this is going to be a good ride, this is going to be a safe ride. So I want you all to come into your discussion time and I want you to feel very, very safe. What you share will be held in confidence. That's a ground rule. What you share will stay there. And so it's going to also be a slander-free zone. And we have to be very careful that we don't talk about not only other people, but maybe other churches, organizations. We have to do that without slander. Because then you feel that this is a really safe place to be. So on the bus ride, it's safe. On the bus ride, we need everybody to get on the bus. All right? I think it would be a problem if that little one turned around and went back home again. They're signed up for school. They need to come to school. And so as I was reflecting on that, when we come in on Tuesday mornings, we want everyone here. And how does it make you feel when someone comes up to you and says... Judy, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Wow, it's so good to see you. Doesn't that fill you up? And isn't it truth? We are glad that we are all on the bus together. So we get on the bus, and then we're not allowed to stand. You can't stand on a bus, so everybody has a seat on the bus. And what I mean by that is it's, I am so glad you're here. You are important to our table, and what you share is important. Let's make our ladies feel like that. I'm glad you're here and you have a seat at this table. And what you need to share or what you're learning is really important to our group. And then I was thinking as that bus got loaded up and it pulled forward, what if the bus just stopped and never went anywhere? Wow, that wouldn't achieve what it's supposed to do. They're supposed to get to the school, right? So our buses, are you getting me? Our discussion, it needs to move forward. Our buses have a route. They can't take side streets, ladies. (coughs) All right. Sometimes we start down a side street. You're getting my meaning, and we got to pull it back in. All right. So, because it would take us and we wouldn't eventually get to where we want to go. Now, sometimes we have to get off a little bit and we have to discuss something, but we have to get back on the route. And I'm going to say this. If someone says to you, I'm so sorry, I have to interrupt you right now, but we have to keep going. Do you know what happens when I hear that? And trust me, I've heard that before. And I've gotten the message, stop talking, okay? It hurts. It hurts, it hurts, but I have to receive it. So I'm asking you to receive that, because we do want to keep moving on. So when we do that, when we're giving our responses, number one, make sure it relates to the text. Make sure it's what we are talking about. Number two, keep our comments brief. As I said before, I'm hoping that this is going to be such an interactive study. Oh, I saw that. Oh, let me add a little bit to that. Oh, that's a great idea. So there's lots of discussion going on and not just one or two people dominating the conversation. This is all about what we're all learning together. So keep it brief. And then quiet moments are not scary moments. Let me say that again. Quiet moments are not scary moments. So let's say you're sitting in a question and you're like, huh, nobody got it this week. Hmm, that's okay. Sometimes it takes some of us a little while to process through something, and that's fine. As women, we tend to like to fill up the space, don't we? We don't need to do that. And if it gets to be to a point where you're like, okay, well, we don't have anything more to say, so let's just keep moving on. That's Okay. That's okay to do that. So I wanted to say that because I'm thinking sometimes when kids are on the school bus and I have witnessed this, this can be pretty loud, can get pretty crazy. But it's okay to sometimes just sit and enjoy the scenery and enjoy just being with people also. That's a pleasant ride. So that's part of the pers- participation, We are going to end each week and then I'll invite Carolyn Anderson to come up and she'll lead us up in prayer. And just a few things about prayer. Most of the tables did this last year. We're going to ask you to share your information so that you're on a prayer text chain so that throughout the week you can just text your prayer requests. When you come in on Tuesday mornings then, you've already seen from your group members, oh, I saw that that happened. How's that going? And so we don't have... All this conversation about prayer requests, we've already shared it throughout the week. You can do that in a text, or if you like email, share your emails and do it through email. Here's the reason why. So when we get to our prayer time, we're ready. Let's pray, ladies. It's short, but I want to use that shortness to be rich. And so let's do that, our prayer, during the week that time. I also like that because if someone has sent me a text during the week, I might on my own reach out to them and say, hey, I'm praying for you, or the next day, hey, how did that appointment go? It keeps conversation going. Um, Again, with prayer requests, they're always private. They're always personal, never shared unless you personally ask that person, hey, is it okay if I share this with someone else? Or Carolyn Anderson, Carolyn, raise your hand. Carolyn, would you stand for a second? We have lots of new ladies this year. Carolyn Anderson is in charge of not only our Women in the Word Tuesday mornings, but actually the whole entire church prayer chain line, and so she's going to give you her information. It's on a sheet, and if you want all of us to pray for that prayer request or the entire church, reach out to her and let her know. Right? It's a wonderful thing. So Carolyn will come up, open us in prayer, we'll go right to prayer and then she will close us at about 11:28 in prayer and then we've got lots of young moms that need to go pick up their kiddos in the church nursery and the child care. So that's what our mornings are going to look like. As I said, at your tables in a few minutes, I want you to look through the observe, the interpret, and the apply pages. And if you have any questions, you have two ladies at your table that we're calling our discussion leaders, we've already walked through this together. So they, should, they will be able to answer your questions about it. Well, before I finish, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to turn to the interpret page. Turn to the interpret page. That first question on interpret What does the passage mean? What would the original hearers have thought? I believe is probably one of the more difficult questions in this study guide. We always tend to go to our own personal experience and read into scripture. We also, living in The United States tend to have a Western way of thinking. We call that individualism and things like that. So we tend to interpret things by the way we think. Well, Paul wrote this in the first century. He wrote it to the people in Rome. So we need to put ourselves in their place and say, what would they have thought when this letter came to them? I'm going to give you a little background Um, about what was happening in first-century Rome, so you can kind of work through that. But more importantly, as you're reading through a passage, really think, if I'm receiving this letter, what would I have thought? So, for example, we're going to jump quickly into Romans 1. Sin, 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 sin. If I'm an original thinker, I would have thought, I think we have a problem with sin. I think that's a very valid thing to write down under that that question. Um, We're going to get to parts in Romans where he talks about um, government. And we're going to see. Oof. All right. I think Paul's landing hard on this because I think maybe our thinking about our government might be a little wrong. So just as you're working through it, just think. Why is he hitting this so hard? Why is he maybe not leaving this alone? Or, hmm, just put a question. I had never thought about it that way before. So just in your own thinking. But now, for the original hearers who would have received that letter, here's the notes page that I gave you. So just to let you know, it was the Apostle Paul. He wrote a letter. It was to explain, to encourage, and to exhort The word exhort means to teach and to correct them. We're going to see they had some wrong thinking going on there, and he needed to address that. It was written from Corinth, probably around A.D. 57 or 58. He had not visited Rome yet. He was in Corinth. And why? Well, I just picked out one verse to make it simple. Paul longed to see them to impart some spiritual gift to strengthen them. Now remember, this is a new, these are new believers, fairly new believers. He does not write this letter to a church. There is no established church. They are home churches, groups of believers, some Jewish, many, many, many of them Gentile, some of them mixed. So this letter would have been passed all along through those home churches. And he longed to see them. So then some things that were happening in history. So at that time, Rome is considered the world's political, religious, social, and economic center, super prosperous. It was the place to be. They had everything. Hmm. What usually goes along with that? Hmm. Sometimes sometimes attitudes of pride. All right. I'll let you go there. Then the government, I thought, was interesting. This was a time of Roman peace. They thought they were the chosen ones to bring peace to the world. At this time, they had changed from a republic now under emperors. And whatever the emperor said, went. That was the law. And their security was based on this strong army that had been going out and conquering all these lands. So they felt pretty strong in themselves. But when Paul writes this in 57 and 58, there had been a rapid decline in emperors. Augustus was great. He did bring in some things that you need to see there about tolerance of religions and syncretism. That means you could just mix a whole bunch of things together. That was very common in their thought. And then we have Tiberius, and then we have Caligula, then we have Claudius. And so at the time of this writing, it's Nero. Now raise your hand if you've heard all about Nero. Okay, Nero was bad, 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 bad. All right. But remember, this is written to them before he started massively persecuting the Christians. So this is before. What you will see is that there was prejudice against Christians Jews, but it wasn't persecution yet, so keep that in mind, because I think we tend to go to Nero Nero burning the Christians and all that. That had not quite happened yet. So as far as their religion, they were polytheistic. You You could worship anyone you wanted, as many as you wanted, but the emperor was above all gods. There was a general belief that only the gods were immortal. Hey, do you see how I have italicized some of those words? I want those to stand out to you because when we work through the book of Romans, you're going to see some of Paul's words, and he is fighting back against the Roman thought, the culture, the way that they have been brought up. Approval of the gods did not depend on a person's behavior, but on observing religious rites. Ooh, Jewish people, ouch, all right? So he's going to be talking about those pieces also. Each god required an image and prayers and sacrifices, and each god controlled a different facet of life. That was just common. So for um, the Christianity to spread to Rome, and to be told that there was only one true living God, that was probably very hard for them to wrap their minds around and to maybe also change some of their behavior. And then finally we have the Jews, and they were proud of their lineage. Going on to family life, I thought some of this was interesting. The father ruled and provided for his family. I read this statement in a history book A newborn was accepted or rejected at birth by the father. So the baby's born. The baby looked at all deficient. The baby was taken out and left to die. The father decided that right at birth, and that was accepted, and that was common. But the father had the right to do that. There was a a great disparity between the rich and the poor. And then adoption was common. So when a person was adopted, they lost all the rights to their family, and they gained all the new rights to this new family. And then finally, some societal norms that were going on. Social classes had strict boundaries based on heredity, property, wealth, and citizenship. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. As you're reading through Romans, I hope those words are sticking out when all of a sudden... We see the freedom, and we see the rights that we now have as children of God. Because belief that individuals were given a finite fund of talent at birth, hedonism, that means, oh, pleasure, do what I want to do, was prevalent. Just, okay, just go ahead and live life to its fullest. And then discipline and duty are the highest virtues. And I had to look up that word. And so when I looked back into history books, the word virtue was actually the same word that they used for righteousness. So when you called a person righteous in first century Rome, that means that they were very disciplined and that they did their duty. So the book of Romans, really one of the main themes is about the righteousness of God. And so this is a real shift in their thinking about righteousness is imputed to us from God through Jesus. It is not earned by our discipline, and it is not earned by doing a right duty. So they have heard the gospel, and now Paul is helping them to put the gospel into practice. On the back, I just gave you a very brief outline of Romans. This is one I chose. Boy, you can go and you can search this, and all of our Bibles have different kind of outlines. So this is not the only one by any means. I just thought it was a very simple one. As we are working through passages, just refer back to this and say, Oh, we're in this section that's kind of talking about the need for salvation and then the provision for salvation, and then the result of salvation, and then the scope of salvation. I thought this was super clear as to where we are leading. Well, ladies... I hope you're not overwhelmed. I hope you're excited when you see this. I feel like we are all not wading into the shallow end together in this book of Romans. I feel like we're all holding hands and we're all jumping in the deep end together. But it's going to be exciting. It's going to be good. And so I am so, so thankful that you are here this year. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that you have called us to yourself. We are so thankful for your grace and your mercy shown to us through your son, Jesus. We are so thankful for that gift of salvation that you have given to us. And we say yes. We receive it and we bow before you. Lord, our prayer is that we would see you high and lifted up and exalted this year, that we would know more about you and that we would bow before you. And Lord Jesus, you are our life. We follow you. We love you. And so I pray on behalf of all these women that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.